A date which will live in infamy. Both of those projects, initiatives, got off the ground because of the Guerrero. The 11 Olympic team members slain in West Germany. The Olympic Games. So geheist waren die Brüder in Amerika. Von Kaufen schaffen es es gibt Out of the 24 who were killed were Americans who had come to learn in Kevin. I say one million Jewish children who were made to be cut in Whoever heard such beautiful words, It is never too little. It is never too late, and it is never enough. Jewish History Soundbites, bringing alive the world of our glorious past. Here is our host, live from Jerusalem, Jewish historian and tour guide, Yehuda Geber. Yehuda Geber, Jewish History Soundbites, and this episode has been generously sponsored by Rafua Shalema and Arichas Yamim for Yaakov Kapel Ben Sara. And before we get to the topic at hand, which is Romanian Jewry, in the interwar period, during the Holocaust, and some of its great uh, rabbinical leaders during that time, um, just a short, uh, a few short messages. First of all, a tribute, uh, uh, just an unfortunate passing, uh, just a couple of days ago, of um, Rabbi Moshe David Tendler, great Torah leader. Um, Rabbi Tendler, I remember him actually from Muncie growing up, he was the longtime rabbi of... of uh, in Muncie, not where I davened, but he was around in the community synagogue. And uh, he's a tremendous Paisic, a rabbi in Yeshiva University, he was a biology professor, um, one of the greatest experts in the world on Torah and science and medical ethics especially. Um, he was, the, of course, the son-in-law and very close with his illustrious father-in-law, Rabbi Misha Feinstein. He almost seemed like a Feinstein in some ways. He had very gentle, certain simplicity, very old school, brilliant, um, a lot of uh, Feinstein uh, characteristics. I met him a couple of times. I was always struck by his being so uh, unassuming, and yet he had a very strong backbone, never shirked from controversy, in which he had no shortage of throughout his long and illustrious career. He had um, all, all kinds of, uh, he was involved in all kinds of halachic uh, uh, and uh, medical ethics uh, disputes and controversies with with others, and st- held strong positions about uh, such controversial issues such as brain death and organ transplants, which was probably the longest and his most vocal uh, dispute uh, with others, but there were many, many other topics as well. There's definitely lots to say about him and his his career and his contribution as a great, great uh, Pisic and Torah leader. And uh, maybe we'll have a tribute episode sometime soon, maybe not. We'll see how things work out. Um, but definitely just wanted to mention that, may his memory. We have recently oversook us the first two parts of the Shemitah history series, uh, the, key, the observance of Shemitah in modern times. It's an ongoing series. The two, um, the first two parts got a lot of great positive feedback, lots of uh, generated a lot of interest 
from the listeners, some uh, some a lot of questions and sources and stories and and additional facts. Um, and there's, we're looking to keep the series going. Part three and four, parts three and four are already researched and ready to go. As soon as we have sponsors, they will be recorded and sent out to uh, your enjoyment and benefits. So. Uh, be in touch with me about sponsorships for the upcoming installments of the Shemitah series um, at Yehuda. Uh, you can email me Yehuda at YehudaGeber.com. And there's, of course, lots of other interesting stories for our upcoming winter season. Stay tuned, and there are sponsorships available for that as well. So today we're going to speak a little bit about Romanian Jewry, Romanian Jewish history, and uh, focus on the interwar period, perhaps a little bit touch on the Holocaust and post-war as well. Um, and some of the great uh, rabbinical leaders during that time who led a, a religious revival uh, in, of Romanian Jewry during this time. Um, and I feel uh, in general that Romanian Jewry has been a bit shortchanged. Um, they have a very important and illustrious role. I want to focus more uh, on, on the Romanian Jewish society through the lives of two prominent uh, Romanian rabbis uh, at that time. Rabbi Hudalib Tzirilsen, Who's somewhat more famous and someone who's um, his not, not as famous but should be Ramesh Yosef Rubin. Both of them came from Hasidic backgrounds, but they were very Romanian. So let's just mention something about geography. There's different areas, different districts of Romania. There's Old Romania, which uh, has some sort of official term, Rijat, Rijat, something like that. The Old Romania. Um, the old borders of Romania from before World War One, And then there's these outer districts that are absorbed into Romania in the interwar period. And then afterwards as well, um, Bessarabia, Bukovina, parts of Transylvania. And and uh, it's important to, be, to, to understand that these differences, because these districts operated with a lot of autonomy. And also the um, anti-Semitism was expressed by the Romanian government and the Iron Guard and the Romanian army during the war. Uh, in different in different areas in different ways, so um, the anti-Jewish policies played out differently in old Romania than they would to be in Bessarabia or Bukovina or Transylvania, and uh, and sometimes Romania didn't even control those areas like pre World War One, but in interwar they did. And between 1939 and 1941, the Soviet Union controlled Bessarabia and Bukovina, most of those areas of, of Bessarabia and Bukovina. And then 1941, the Romanian army is is uh, allied with the Wehrmacht, with, uh, with uh, the, the Nazis, and they invade the Soviet Union, and they take back these districts of Bessarabia and Bukovina. Um, and then there's post-war, it's communist Romania, and then today's current-day Romania, post-communism. So there's a, a lot of confusion about who's Romania and where is Romania. So I'm going to try to uh, to uh, be clear about that as well. In fact, lots of Romania was uh, was controlled by the Ottoman Empire until uh, modern times. So what you had unique in Romania was a Sephardic and Ashkenazic community living side by side, which today in the modern state of Israel, that's to be taken for granted, and to a certain extent even in the United States as well. But in Europe, before the war, it was almost unheard of for these two communities, which were separated by geography for so many hundreds of years, for them to be living in the same country with communities side by side, especially in the capital and the southern parts of the country. And here you had it in Romania, you had it in Holland, you had it in a couple other places in Europe as well, but it was quite rare 
um, and uh, you had a, and it was a very distinct feature of Romanian Jewish society. The Malbim was a rabbi in Bucharest in the capital in the 1800s. So the, um, the story of, of Romania is quite unique. What's even more unique is the story of a Agudis Yisrael in Romania. So we're going to talk about that as well, because what these two rabbis, Rabbi Dalai Cyrus and Rabbi Yosef Rubin, they represented was a trend of the rabbinical leadership of the Agudis Yisrael in Romania, and it was what we could even uh, somewhat, in a provocative way, call a Zionist Aguda. It was a, a, a flank of Agudis Yisrael that was more Zionistic than the mainstream uh, Polish or German Zionism. Uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Polish and German Agudis Yisrael. Um, so, so we'll get to that story, which I think should, you know, could be the primary theme of uh, of um, of this of this uh, of this interwar period. Rabbi Udalim Tsirilson was was uh, one of the greatest rabbinic leaders of Russian Jewry under the Tsars. He was the you know rabbi in Bessarabia, which was under uh, Tsarist Russian Empire before World War One. It only later becomes Romania in the interwar period, and he's one of the most famous uh, and greatest of the rabbinic leaders in the Russian Empire um, before World War One, He grew up in a Hasidic home. He had a Chabad yeshiva education, but he spoke a perfect Russian. He was self-taught. He later spoke a perfect Romanian as well. And therefore, he was not only the uh, the spiritual rabbi of his community, the what we call the, the, the real rabbi, the true rabbi, he was also the Rav Mitam, the Russian government recognized him as the official rabbi also, which was a rare accomplishment in the empire. Uh, it was always an issue of the Rav Mitam versus the spiritual rabbi. And here, Rabbi Udalev Tsirosin, because of his education and, uh, and knowledge of Russian, the Russian language, was able to wear both hats at one and the same time. He was the rabbi in Priluki for 30 years. Um, and he rose as one of the greatest spokesmen for traditional Judaism in modern times. He was very articulate. He penned many articles for the Jewish newspapers at the time, Hamelit, Satsfira, Hapeles, Hamodia, and other uh, newspapers as well. So he was very outspoken. And he, um, and he uh, later was, became the rabbi in Kishinev in 1908, which was the capital of Moldova, uh, Besrabia. And he, um, and from 1908 till his passing, so it's a period of uh, he's the rabbi of a, of a major city for 33 years, um, and until World War One, it was in the Russian Empire, and and uh, following World War One, it was in the new and very expanded borders of a very nationalistic uh, Romania. So he um, was this uh, this leader at this one of the most tumultuous times in Jewish history, and through. Two very ex- dis- distinct governments, and he was very involved in the in the publicity, uh, protesting anti-Semitism during the Mendel Bayless trial, which is also a fascinating story. Fascinating story. In 1912, he was involved in the founding of Agudas Yisro. Subsequently, was the leader of the Romanian Aguda and a member of the World Aguda Mayetzes Gedele Hatira back when that was an appointment of significance. In 1910, with the Rabbinical Conference in St. Petersburg, he played a very prominent role. He spoke Russian, so he was one of the primary spokesmen. A lot of the uh, great uh, Torah leaders of the day who attended the 1910 Rabbinical Conference, which I discussed in a different episode, they did not speak Russian, so they weren't able to be 
the main spokesman at the official meetings where members of the Tsarist government uh, attended. So he also was an officially recognized rabbi. He's the rabbi Tom, like I said, so his opinions held a lot of sway. So he was one of the main players at this uh, uh, meeting. In interwar Romania, he was actually the chief rabbi of the entire Bessarabia district. Um, interwar Romania was very nationalistic and increasingly anti-Semitic, the rise of the Iron Guard, which eventually uh, controlled the government. It was a very hostile environment for the Jewish community in Romania. It was probably the most distinct feature of, of interwar Jewish Romania was the anti-Semitism. It was terribly anti-Semitic. It was a terrible time to be Jewish in Romania, and it uh, got even worse, of course, during the Holocaust. The Romanian Holocaust was perpetrated primarily by Romanians, not by Nazis, which we'll get to, hopefully. Um, and here, Rebutelaim Cyrilson is basically the rabbinical leader of Romanian Jewry. So he he's combating this, uh, this uh, issue, and he's representing very often the Jewish community to the Romanian government. He founds the Agudis Yisrael of Romania and stands at its helm. And in that capacity, he invested heavily in Jewish education and infrastructure. He founded and managed and funded a network of schools for all ages throughout Bessarabia. Uh, he personally headed a prestigious yeshiva in Kishinev itself, where many students uh, became rabbis and Hasidic rabbis throughout Bessarabia and beyond. Uh, he was also the primary promoter of the Dafyami in Romania. He had a close personal relationship with Romeo Shapiro. Uh, he served in the Romanian Parliament. He was uh, he was the, the representative of the Jewish community in the Romanian Parliament for the years 1920 to 1926. For a time, he was the sole Jewish representative to Parliament. Uh, so he, he he had to represent every every uh, all Jewish communities in Romania, not exclusively Agudis Yisrael. He spoke uh, he taught himself Romanian, and in the he, because of the increasingly, like I said, nationalistic and therefore anti-Semitic atmosphere, he had to leave Parliament uh, after several years. One of his main accomplishments was conv convincing the Minister of Education to repeal a directive forcing Jewish students in Romanian schools to write on Shabbos. And, and he enabled them, they would now be able to refrain from doing so. Um, he was a supporter early on of the Chayvevetziyin, the Lovers of Zion movement from its outset in the 1800s, and even of the Zionist movement itself political Zionism in the early years. He participated in a convention of Russian Zionists at the turn of the century, but he later resigned from the Zionist movement due to his distaste for secular nationalism. He never rescinded his support for the ideas of Zionism and the settlement of the land of Israel and of the founding of a Jewish state, which is very interesting. Uh, within the ranks of Agudis Yisrael. Again, he's a leader in Agudis Yisrael. He's not a leader in Mizrahi. He's not a, in, in the religious Zionist political party. He's in the Agudis Yisrael political party. And this could only happen in Romania. And he wrote articles in Hamelitz and in Hapelas clarifying his positions on Zionism. In 1901, he called for a religious organization as a response to secular Zionism. And he saw Agudis Yisrael as that response. And again, he... Not, not the Mizrahi, right? The Mizrahi was in, in, uh, in, uh, founded at that time in, in Lithuania, in Russia. He's, 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 he's promoting it through Agudis Yisrael. So he's promoting his Zionist uh, ideology through, in, through the Agudis Yisrael platform, which is fascinating, which is a point which I think must be emphasized, elaborated, and clarified. Because Agudis Yisrael was an international organization uh, at the time with representatives from many, many countries. 
What's less well known and somewhat brushed over today is how different leaders in different countries saw the goals of Agudis Yisrael in very diverse fashions. It is, for instance, cited that uh, Reb Chaim Brisker, originally when he was uh, associated uh, with Agudis Yisrael in, in the early years, before its founding even, once it was founded, he, he had already disassociated himself, um, and later his son, uh, um, Reb Velvel of the Briskerov, who was not at all affiliated with the Agudis Yisrael, but they saw the, the modus vivendi of the Agudis Yisrael as would be the response of traditional Judaism to combat Zionism and other secularist trends. In other words, the way they saw it was that the founding of this organization was to be anti-Zionist. That is the pretty much the sole purpose of, of the organization. The Ger Rebbe and the Imreimis and others saw it as a political organization to help organize traditional Polish Jewry in the Polish same in Polish politics. Uh, the German Yekis who actually founded the Agudis Yisrael saw it as a way of unifying German neo-Orthodoxy with the traditional masses of Eastern Europe to solve the burning issues of the day in facing traditional Judaism. In the United States, uh, Mike Tress saw it as a Jewish outreach organization to the youth, so like a Kirov organization. Um, and many Romanian rabbis uh, Agudas Yisrael leaders saw it as a vehicle of religious Zionism, believe it or not. So here you have a very, one organization under one umbrella of traditional Judaism, and you have a full spectrum, the full gamut of opinion about what are the goals of this organization. So I think that's a, a fascinating story in, in how Aguda was perceived by its participants, by its members, and by its leadership in the interwar, by its rabbinical leadership in the interwar period. So Rabbi Yudalev Tzirulstein is an active participant in the Knesias of Agudis Yisrael in the interwar. At the stormy third Knesia of Agudis Yisrael at Marienbad in Czechoslovakia, in 1937, he and other Romanian rabbis, such as Ramayshi Yasef Rubin, who I'm going to uh, get to uh, shortly, um, he lead, they lead the support for the, to support the Peel Commission's recommendation to found a Jewish state in Palestine, which was a position which was ultimately rejected by the Aguda. So it's an interesting historical chapter because of this diversity within the pre-war Aguda, which even allowed a essentially a Zionist faction in Romania, a position supported by most Romanian Agudist rabbis. So this diversity within the Aguda and any hint of a Zionist faction was to eventually disappear in the post-war Agudas Yisrael, of course. Uh, Besrabi was occupied by the Soviet Union at the war's outset, in the, outset of the Second World War, and then the Romanian army invades the area together with the Wehrmacht, uh, with the Operation Barbarossa in June uh, 22, 1941. So during the bombing of the city by the Luftwaffe, Rabiudelaib Tsurusen was killed. He was 82 years old. See, he's a victim of World War II, uh, not really a victim of the Holocaust, uh, but he was buried and reburied several times, unfortunately, as the Soviets continually destroyed Jewish cemeteries in Kishinev throughout the 1950s, um, and that's Rabbi Yudelaib Tzirosim. But I want to get to is, is this uh, an incredible rabbi who's uh, unfortunately uh, very forgotten today, Rabbi Yosef Rubin, who's one of the most influential Romanian rabbis pre-war, uh, who was associated with the Agudis Yisrael. Um, and he had an incredible life and career spanning many decades in Romania and later on in the United States, although his primary leadership was in Romania. He also had a, a regal bearing, you know, aristocrat. He was beloved by all, uh, all sorts of Jews and even non-Jews, government officials. 
he he looked great. He had a very regal bearing. He also he smoked a pipe. He had that you know old old fashioned look. Um, he came from a very Hasidic and actually Rebbe background. All tzaddikim from many dynasties were among his ancestors. He came from bells, from Kosov, uh, Vizhnitz, Savran, Rupshitz. He, he had a very, very illustrious lineage. His father and grandfather, great-grandfather before him were all Hasidic uh, rabbis. And he grew up in, in both in Bukovina, which is another district of Romania, and also in, in neighboring Galicia for many years. And he's known to posterity as the Kimplungerov. Uh, he was the rabbi in Kimpelung, um, a city in, in, in Romania. Was, is the, this Kampelung, Kimpelung, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it. He was later a rabbi in Bucharest during the war until he moved to the United States where he was a rabbi in Long Beach and in Borough Park. But his primary position was the rabbi of Kimpelung and, the, and its vicinity, a lot of towns in the, in the area, in, in Bukovina, in the district of Bukovina, Romania, for nearly two decades during the interwar period. This catapulted him into the first level of leadership of of, uh, of uh, rabbinical leadership in Bukovina, and to a certain extent in the entire Romanian Jewish community. He received rabbinical ordination from several rabbis, of a special note is the one he received from Yerbihu de Leib Sirilson, with whom he enjoyed subsequently a close relationship. Interestingly enough, he also received rabbinical ordination from Reb Chaim Tzvi Teitelbaum, that's a Chaim of Sigit, who was the older brother of the Satmarov. Um, Rabbi Moshe Rubin was self-educated, he spoke a fluent Romanian, and what's fascinating is that he became on his own enraptured by Rabbi Shamshin Rafal Hirsch and his Torah and his outlook and his philosophy and his way of life. And he literally dedicated the rest of his life to Rabbi Shamshin Rafal Hirsch's way. Um, to the Tyrim Derech Eretz. He even translates much of Reb Shamshin Rafal Hirsch's works, his books, into Romanian, so it should be available to the wider public. He became an interesting combination of conservative Hasidism, um, his background, his personal background, and he remains a very strong Hasidic uh, uh, in his personal life and his customs. Um, and, and yet at the same time, a combination with modern rabbinics, neo-orthodoxy in the spirit of the new generation and Rav Shamshin Rafal Hirsch's way. So very, very unique. He studied general science on his own. He even went to university in Cluj, which was Kloisenberg, where he obtained an academic degree. So he literally personified uh, the uh, Hirschian ideal and taught it to his community. His activities as a rabbi within the K- K- Kampalung uh, community Kampelung, um, invested in education, he opened schools, he was very idealistic about change and about religious revival, he believed in the future of Romanian orthodoxy, he lobbied for non-discrimination for Shabbos observers, he encouraged Shabbos observance, he himself taught, taught, uh, taught Torah classes to the more senior students in his schools. Under his direction, the schools in Kampelung uh, followed a Hershian Torah and Derech Eretz approach. And, and even the Torah studies bear the imprint of Rav Shamshin Rafal Hirsch with an emphasis on Tanakh, among other things. He literally, in, to the best of my knowledge, is unknown that outside of Germany, way out in Romania, in Bukovina, they had a complete uh, Hirschian way of, of education in the, in the interwar period by Rav Yasef Rubin. He lobbied government, uh, government uh, local and national officials for all kinds of needs for the Jewish community and built many relationships in the corridors of uh, 
of power over the years. He was very involved with the joint in the United States and their funding of the Romanian Jewish community during this time. The primary project he worked on together with the Joint Distribution Committee was loans for small businessmen and Jewish laborers, loans without interest, like a gemach, which was the primary activity of the joint in Poland in the interwar as well, by the way. And the joint activities uh, during this time is, is actually for another podcast, which is a fascinating story about how the joint invested in uh, European Jewish life and these, especially these loans for small businessmen, how they tried to rejuvenate um, um, Jewish small businesses throughout the Romanian and Polish countryside, especially in the face of anti-Semitic boycotts and stuff like that. It's for another time. Uh, so going back to um, the activities of Rabbi Rubin and his revitalizing the Romanian Jewish community in order to improve observance of family purity, Tarasa he spearheaded and funded an effort to build six new modern mikvahs in Kimpelung and its environs, and all the towns in the area under his jurisdiction. The modern structures, pleasant, tiles, which was, you know, he was a very forward thinker for his time, and, uh, and, and he wanted to improve religious life in that, uh, in that context. He organized a nationwide conference, conference in Chernovitz to promote Shabbos observance. And, um, and of course, he also serves as one of the main Romanian rabbinical leaders of Agudis Yisrael. By his own testimony, he already was involved with and identified with the ideals of Agudis Yisrael from its inception in 1912 when he was still a teenager. He wrote articles in the Romanian Jewish press promoting the idea of Agudis Yisrael. And he then participates in the Knesset Gedailas of Agudis Yisrael. The second one in Vienna, 1929, he was a speaker. He spoke. He was appointed a member of the Mayatzis Gedaila Hatayra of the Agudis Yisrael, and he was one of the leading rabbis in Romania. He was, when he was in his 30s, uh, so he was a young man, he was already on the Mayatzis Gedaila Hatayra, and he's one of the vice presidents at the third Knesset of Agudis Yisrael in Marienbad in 1937. And as I already mentioned in the context of Rabbi Dilei in that 1937 Knesset Gedaila, it was unique in the regard that the Romanian faction openly supported the Zionist position and the founding of the state. And Rabbi Rubin, along with Rabbi Tzirilson and others, openly supported active collaboration with the Zionist movement, which was a position not shared by most Aguda members. Rabbi Rubin supported the Aguda cooperation and unification with the Jewish agency. And then he added, along with, again, Rabbi Tzirilson and uh, and others in Bukovina, uh, and even other Romanian rabbis, even some rabbis from Galicia, that the Aguda should cooperate and collaborate with other Jewish organizations despite their secular character, which was a very unique position to be held at that time. Now, though Rabbi Rubin's position was ultimately rejected by the Knesset Gedayel, this is still a fascinating chapter of Jewish history. He felt comfor- comfortable voicing these opinions in a public forum within the context of Aguda's Israel. They were considered legitimate enough by the Aguda faction in Romania, and even by everyone else enough at least to have a discussion about it or a debate about it, even though it was ultimately rejected. Uh, he continues to associate with the Aguda Israel for many years afterwards, and he did not suffer any repercussions for voicing these opinions in an Aguda platform. He wasn't expected to leave the organization as a result. There was an element of ideological diversity allowed within the Aguda organization, which I find a fascinating chapter in Jewish history. He represented, Rabbi Rubin, uh, represented Romanian Jewry at local government bodies. He was eloquent, spoke. He was involved in many and spearheaded many rabbinical initiatives throughout the 1930s to strengthen 
traditional Jewish life in Romania to strengthen the Kehila, the office of the rabbinate, and to combat the ever-increasing waves of anti-Semitism. Um, he promoted, with his Zionistic leanings, he promoted the settlement of the Yishuv and investing in the real estate in the Yishuv through the Romanian Jewish press, and fundraising, and uh, he even founded and edited and wrote for a newspaper in Romania which promoted these issues. Um, so he... he um, he escaped. A terrible thing it happened in the beginning of the war. He uh, it was public humiliation on Yom Kippur in 1940. He and another one, another uh, member of the community, were forced to pull a wagon, um, like like as if they were animals. They were being beaten by members of the Iron Guard. Publicly humiliated. Terrible, terrible, uh, tragic situation. And he, following that Yom Kippur, um, he escapes to Bucharest, and uh, he's. Right away, becomes a rabbi in Bucharest. He opens a shul. He invests in Jewish life in the capital and his influence among Bukovina refugees in the capital. He opens a school, he opens a yeshiva, and he starts to work with refugees and rescue work during the Holocaust. He founds the leading rescue organization, Eivah Hatzala, uh, um, in, in Romania. Um, and, and this brings us to the uniqueness of the Romanian Holocaust because you had a bizarre situation, which literally did not exist in any other country, where if you were if you were a Jew living in old Romania, where Rabbi Rubin now was because he had moved to the capital, he had moved to Bucharest, so you were relatively safe. You definitely was anti-Semitism and the Iron Guard and all that. I, Ian Antonesco, the terrible dictator of uh, Romania during the war, was you know very anti-Semitic, um, and he had that. You had all those those issues. But you were safe from deportation and death. Whereas Jews who lived in Bukovina, Bessarabia, they had the Holocaust perpetrated by Romanians. In other words, the, the, you you lived in the other the outer districts. There was the Romanian Holocaust, and they were uh, killed, beaten, starved. They were primarily the main uh, story of the Romanian Holocaust is their deportation across the Dniester River to Transnistria where they were kept in, in Moigilov and other camps and ghettos and, and, and starved and shot and a terrible thing. Hundreds of thousands of Romanian Jews were killed, again, primarily by, by Romanians. Also, the German Nazis definitely were there as well. Uh, they played a smaller role than they did in most other countries. So um, Jewish refugees from other countries are trying to cross the border into old Romania as a safe escape route. And the two main Rescue activities that Rabbi Rubin is involved with at this time is assistance to Transnistria victims, Jews from Bukovina and Besrabi who had been deported to Transnistria, and also to assist Polish and Hungarian refugees who had made it into old Romania and assisting them. He had relationships with some of the greatest Hasidic Rebbes who were stuck or lived in war-torn Bucharest. The Sadiger Rebbe, the Bohosha Rebbe, Rabbi Yitzchak Friedman, the Vizhnitz Rebbe, Rabbi Chaim Meir uh, Hager, the Rechaim of Vizhnitz, an especially, especially close relationship developed between, between Rabbi Rubin and the Babava Rebbe, Rabbi Shlomo Harbushtam, who had escaped from Poland and reached Romania. Uh, the Pashkana Rebbe, the Skver Rebbe, the other Rebbe's as well, and, and the Rebbe Rubin uh, assisted the Babava Rebbe in a lifelong relationship and friendship with him. The Babava Rebbe lived at Rabbi Rubin's house and was hosted by him for quite a while when he arrived in Romania as a penniless refugee during the war. And following the war, Rabbi Rubin starts investing Again, a lot of these initiatives were actually together with the uh, uh, Baba Verebbe, uh, post-war revival of Jewish life. 
uh, he opened what might have been the first yeshiva to be opened in Europe after the war. For sure, the first one in Romania to be opened after the war. Possibly the first one in the entire Europe to be opened after the war. It was the, called the Masifta in Bucharest, in the capital. And uh, he started a rabbinical organization, which he headed. And he builds the Agoris Yisrael in Romania post-war. He writes a public proclamation and published it in the, in the, in the uh, Jewish press, calling on Romanian Jewry to assist in the rebuilding of the Jewish people after the terrible destruction of the Holocaust by joining to rebuild by joining Agudis Yisrael. And he and a like-minded group of rabbis and activists single-handedly rehabilitate the Agudis Yisrael in Romania post-war. And what's interesting is that his views of the Agudis goals had not changed. He wrote the text of this Kol Kaire, and he includes the words, to return our people to its holy land, together with bringing them closer to their Father in heaven. So interesting that the Skver Rebbe, Rabbi Yaakovetsky, and the Bohusha Rebbe, Pashkana Rebbe, they signed this proclamation calling on the Jewish community in Romania to join a good Israel. But one of those signatures that is, does not appear is, his, is Rabbi Rubin's close and dear friend, the Baba Rebbe. Uh, so they founded other rabbinical organizations together. They founded the Masifta in Bucharest together. And Rabbi Rubin had saved him and hosted him. The Baba Rebbe was later to host Rabbi Rubin upon his arrival in the United States. And they continued to enjoy a close personal relationship for the rest of their lives. Yet Rabbi Rubin was this Agudist, a, even more so a Zionist Agudist. And the Baba, Baba Rebbe was, of course, not, to say the least, uh, but they still, somehow still remained friends. Uh, eventually, Rabbi Rubin escapes from communist Romania to Prague, later to the United States. He was unable to move to Israel. He had health problems by that time. He was already older. Um, and uh, he became a rabbi in the United States. He never achieved the central leadership role in, the, in, in America like he had had before the war and during the war in Romania. But he was a rabbi in Long Beach, later in Borough Park a short time. He was in Montreal. But what I want to end off with very shortly is his, uh, what I personally like, is on a personal note, his founding and leading was an or- amazing organization, which, uh, which uh, my trips and my business would not exist without, without this. And he called it Geder Avais, um, to, uh, to protect Jewish cemeteries in Europe that had been either destroyed or at risk of getting destroyed because of the destruction of the Jewish communities in Europe during the Holocaust and the subsequent communist takeover of m- many of the countries of Eastern Europe. So he uh, he preceded everyone else. Today, there's a lot of people, a lot of organizations involved, and he was the pioneer. He was the first one to do it. Here he is, this elderly rabbi from Romania living in Bar Park. It's the 1950s, and this is what he's concerned about, and that in back in Europe, there's cemeteries that are getting destroyed. And he founds this organization called Geder Avais in 1960, and he's incredibly active with it and building it up during his later years and trying to get the German government, unsuccessfully, unsuccessfully trying to get the German government to fund the activities of Geder Avais. And it comes full circle many years after his passing. And today, uh, Geder Avais still exists, and they collaborate with other organizations such as Ahal Leit Sadiqim with Rabbi Yisrael Meir Gabai, and then later on with with a separate organization. There's there's um, uh, uh, I forgot what it's called. Another organization that, that does these things, uh, Yitzchak Shapiro, the son of the famous Agudas uh, Yisrael leader in in uh, in Israel, Munya Shapiro, which is actually real full circle because Munya Shapiro was a student of Rabbi Rubin at the Masifta in Bucharest uh, post-war, and they're able, they were able to finally get the funding from the German government to uh, rehabilitate and rebuild and protect Jewish cemeteries across Europe. So, Gather Aves is, is this vision, this pioneering vision of Rabbi Rubin in his later years, and still leading the pack and doing wonderful things for Jewish cemeteries and mass graves all over Europe. 
So that's just a personal note because I see their signs everywhere and, and every time I bring the, the groups there and it's all to uh, Rabbi Rubin's credit. So this is Yehudi Geber with Jewish History Soundbites. You can reach me at Yehudi at YehudaGeber.com for questions, comments, sources, tours, trips, sponsorships, and lectures. You can subscribe to Jewish History Soundbites on Podbean or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter at Soundbites, and I hope you enjoyed.